lose, everyone. I'm back, baby. It's Jake C. Lee. I'm great. Everybody else sucks. Oh, huh. oh no. It's every nightmare I've ever had. Excuse me. It's time to check the link. Pretty crazy, huh? But, but it doesn't matter because none of this has anything to do with the show. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. It's all in. Sure, we talk about it all the time. Really? No. Game on, everybody. It's all in sports. Jake Seeley, your host, as always. Uh, you can probably already follow me at Only Kid, but just in case you're coming from my amazing guest who's been getting followers by the dozen per day because of where he's at now, uh, in case you came from him, that's where you can follow me. And hey, if you're not part of The Athletic, uh, make sure you're going over there. You can get your choice right now. I keep saying it. I don't know how long it's going to last. It might be gone any day now. But if you go to any of my articles, my rankings article for fantasy football, go to the bottom of the page, 30 days free or 50% off your first year, which is the one I'm talking about that we don't do very often. And I don't know how long it's going to be there. So take advantage of it. But speaking of today's guest, right before we even get to this, so I'm giving you guys a heads up from the jump off. First of all, we're talking video games today. So one, be prepared. If you don't like it, come back next show. Second of all, I'm going to tweet out the timestamp. This is going to be spoiler warning central because we are discussing The Last of Us 2 today. So if you are going to play the game, uh, we'll, we'll kind of discuss it beforehand to kind of like let you know if you're on the fence about playing it. But I'll try to timestamp so you can jump in and jump out because I got Rich Rebar on today. At Lord Reeves, part of Sharp Fantasy Football over at the Sharp and Nana. Um, what are, I mean, what is the name of the site exactly? Like, I, there's like 17 names I see you guys tweeting out all the time. What's the a real site name? The site I actually write content for for fantasy is sharpfootballanalysis.com. Sharp football, <laughs> sharp football stats is the one that you see people look up the personnel usage right. and stuff like that. That is not sharp football stats. They haven't found the bandwidth to integrate it yet on that site. Okay. They just haven't really <laughs> done that. I don't know if it's in the plans or not. I really don't. It's out of my, listen, that's out of my arena. I just uh, put my head down. I do what I'm supposed to do. I do the job that's been given to me. But sharpfootballanalysis.com is where my stuff's at. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so so uh, he, Sharp's got the awesome mustache. You've got the awesome mm-hmm. a- Avi, a- Avi, whatever, what do you, the Twitter little graphic thing, whatever you want to call it, as always. Because. I mean, is there really any better? Yeah, I haven't changed it. And, you know, I've never really thought about changing it. It's funny. It's, I don't know if I've ever told the story to you how, why I chose that, but it was always because, you know, growing up with Saved by the Bell, no matter what happened, like Zach had an answer. That's kind of how fantasy football is. Like You just kind of add to ad lib, you know, things happen. I'm in this Scott Fishbowl where 22 quarterbacks have gone through five rounds and you've just got to <laughs> kind of, you know, adjust and make, make it work for you. And that's kind of how Zach always operated. Uh, you know, not always in the best ways uh, of humanity when you look back at it. And, you know, obviously there's that, uh, what is the website called? The Zach Morris is a, is a douche. Is that what it is? It's something, it's something like that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, when you look back on that, I mean, listen, the 90s were a terrible time. What do you want me to tell I mean, you? We grew was, up. <laughs> I mean, there's like misogyny in there. Yeah. There's like like sexism. I mean, there's like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff where you go back and you're like, wow. Um, oh, Home Improvement. Grew- Remember that show? Oh, God. I mean, there's like an episode where like Tim Allen like walks in on like his wife's sister in the shower. And like, that was just like, okay TV for like Friday nights. Like, what <laughs> is like... <laughs> I mean, look back at Friends. That was one of their first episodes. Was trying to see each other's stuff in the shower, like yeah. to get, get back and like the fact that we're like as 
I would say normal as can be growing up in the 90s, I think says something for for us as humans because we could be a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely some of that, you know, definitely got through the cracks. We did, you know, we, we turned out okay, at least like to think so. But the, Most you can see some too. of the things that are going on in the world now and a lot of it got through. <laughs> a lot of some of it definitely did. There's no there's no doubt about it. But yeah, anyway, so we're going to talk more fancy football. That is going to be part of the show. Actually, we'll do Scott Fishball first, and then we'll do video games, and then we'll come back to fancy football. So I want to put Fishball. people in a bind because if you want to hear me talk about fancy football and here for takes, like, but you don't like video games, I want to put you know put you in a quandary. What are you going to stick around for? <laughs> <laughs> How about you don't know? I, I won't timestamp it. You're just going to have to. <laughs> And then you won't know when to come back when the spoilers are. <laughs> no, here, serious question about Scott Fishbowl. And um, I'm actually, we're going to talk to Scott Fish on another podcast for The Athletic tomorrow. But, well, depending on when you're listening to this, in your region, uh, the Scott Fishbowl is a question, just an overall strategy for you. We were talking, we kind of touched on it, Rich, before we got on the show. Uh, what you were talking about was your quarterback run, and you talked about it at the top of the show. I told you I jumped in for tight end because I had about you know was 16, 18 picks between my picks, and I was worried about a tight end run. It's a tight end premium league, so I took Higby in the seventh. Unfortunately, only one tight end went, and I could have gotten Hunter Henry in the eighth, late eighth, and those kind of things happen. And so that's my question to you: like strategy when you're in a league, like it doesn't matter. Scott Fishbowl doesn't matter if it's your home league, doesn't matter if it's the flex league which you're in this year, it doesn't matter. What do you do if you're not auction? Or I mean, I guess you can tie an auction too, Rich. Is like when you're trying to read the draft room. Like, what's your overall strategy? If like this is, I think one of the most common questions people have for us as quote unquote experts is how do you handle the? You just mentioned it. That's why you did Zach Morris. You handle like how do you adjust mid draft when you see things that you potentially have to worry about, like runs and stuff. It's tricky. I mean, because I feel like a lot of people tend to over panic, uh, you know, when stuff like this happens in a draft. And if, you know, and then they just throw their plan out the window and they end up drafting a team that they really didn't want in the first place and they're upset towards the end of drafts. I always tell people now, Fishbowl is a little bit different because it's this huge, you know, what is it? Uh, how many teams are there in this thing total now? I don't even know. It grows every year. Yeah, I know. I know like 960. Like, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. like there's like a thousand teams in this thing. So it's a little different. You're trying to be at the top of a thousand man field. So like, the you know, the strategy is a little different and you don't, you can't make trades and there's limited waivers where everyone spends their money on the first quarterback that's injured or, or start or makes a spot start. Uh, so it's a little bit different, but in the regular draft, you know, I always feel that people, you know, overreact to these types of things. They have a plan. They come and want to do it. They get caught in one of these runs. And it snowballs on them. And like I said, they take three or four players in a row that they don't really want. And then at the end of their draft, they're not that happy. But I always tell people, like, don't worry about you, – you want to win your draft and do well drafting. But, like, you get to December and you have 60% of your roster that you drafted in tech. Like, that's a miracle. Uh, there's there's a, the, game of, is, the game has barely begun and you leave your draft. So, I, mean, I feel like too many people focus on trying to win the draft in general in fantasy football. I always hate that people, you know – take seven months of analysis and focus this one event when one, we have already proven that we're not like great at, you know, preseason rankers, even though you, you are an excellent one and, and rank highly every year, but you know, that's like Shaq's free throw percentage, like is what's considered great. Right. Uh, you know? Uh, so, I mean, we've kind of proven that we're not great at setting the market and, you know, injuries happen and, and just guys flat out bust and underperformed and the game changes, you know, than what we thought, you know, situations are going to be throughout the year. So I always feel like people definitely overplay that. They, 
they definitely, you know, reach on some, on some guys in these runs when they happen uh, that they shouldn't. And you should just kind of focus the sticking on the plan you enter a draft with and draft players you want to draft because so much is going to happen that's going to shape, you know, over the course of the season, it's going to reshape your roster that you shouldn't get hung up on, you know, taking players that you didn't even want in the first place. So let me turn that a little differently because I think that's great advice and kind of what we try to say every single year. Uh, what do you do? I'll give you a perfect example. I got this question over on one of my articles and they said, you know, I know we always preach the industry preaches weight on quarterback just because there's such value. Like we talked about Winston last year was basically undrafted, blah, blah, blah. But he says, what do you do? Like if you're in a league where you're, you're playing with so many inexperienced owners that eight out of 12 teams draft two quarterbacks. So if you wait and you keep waiting, keep waiting, keep waiting, well, then you're coming out of your draft with Drew Locke because – you know, do you adapt sometimes even though you don't want to? It could because you almost want to uh, use the cliche, you have to bite the bullet. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you have to, like, that's what you'd let in with the first question of just kind of knowing the room. And if you know that going in, then you, you can pick kind of your spots where you say, all right, listen, I know, you know, eight of these, eight to 10 of these teams are going to take two quarterbacks to do it every year. Uh, but I still want to wait in the position a little bit. So, you, you know, that's how you set your tiers up. And, you know, you say, well, I know I don't want to end up with Drew Locke. But if I end up, you know, so figure out who's like the worst like QB1 you would want or what tier that would be in. Maybe it's Ben Roethlisberger. Maybe it's Daniel Jones. And you can kind of figure out to know, like, all right, when Carson Wentz is off the board, I've got to start to kind of look like this is my area now that I've got to, you know, take my QB1 because I don't want to get one of these tier three, tier four quarterbacks that I can't even use, uh, you know, that's not even a starter half the weeks. So that's how you kind of just adjust and you know your room going in. Uh, when it happens on the fly in a draft, it's, a, it's like I said, it's a little tougher. Um, like I said, you don't want to get caught in just like overextending yourself, but, you know, eventually you're going to have to take, you know, I mean, you always kind of know when you go into a draft – where your starters are anyways, I do this tend to, to do this in auctions a lot too, to know like, all right, I'm going to allocate this amount of money to the running back I want. And I'll make a list of all the running backs. I think that are worth that amount of money. Uh, you know, that's kind of how you set your tiers up to know like, all right, well, Jared Goff's the worst starting quarterback I would want. So to, to know where he's going off the board and where the, you know, that tier is going off the board and when you've got to jump in, kind of focus on that a little bit and kind of see where you have to take those guys. Eventually you're going to have to adjust anyways, because, all drafts are snowflake anyways. So yeah, it's not going to fall. ADP never happens the way you want it to. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. I mean, you just got to, like I said, stay, that's why tiers are so important instead of just individual rankings or just focusing on a specific player. Uh, you know, especially at the quarter acquisition where you can group these guys up in kind of linear bunches anyways uh, and kind of just know when you can get in in the tier-wise and jump in on one of these QBs. Okay. All right. So now – we're transitioning. Now it's time for the video game talk. And uh, the first the first thing, first of all, we're talking about a lot of stuff here. Um, I'm actually going to throw one out at you. I didn't even tell you what was going to happen. If you had $503 million, Rich, what would be the first thing video game-wise you would buy? Oh, man. Ah, that's, that's tough. I mean, I would probably buy – the first thing I would do absolutely is if you ever go to Dave and Buster's or anything and you play the – the row of Mario Karts with like yes. all everyone getting. Yes. That's what I would do. I would have a wall where you could play the, the four the person full... Mario Kart in your house. I love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That'd be the first thing I'd want. So where we can all set up on the giant think about wall. That. That's the, I, I mean, it's the best. That's a when we go to like Dave and Buster's, we play as a family. We all get on those, and it's just a blast. So I would love to have one of like that set up. We can get a rig with like four. Uh, even hell, more if I it's mean, possible. I mean, you could get, yeah, you could get all eight. I mean, we get hell, all eight. I mean, yeah, this is the fact that you, you're probably going to have a giant-ass mansion, too, so I'm sure, I'm sure you got the room for it. Yeah, yeah, that would be a blast. Uh, 
I wasn't so, even I mean, thinking that. that. I was thinking about the fact that I actually looked online recently for like pinball machines, like the real sized, real pinball machine, like the Star Wars one, the Indiana Jones ones. They're like seven, eight thousand dollars. Like I'm not, I'm not Ooh. buying a car pinball machine. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Did you know they were that much? Not that much. I mean, but a lot of some of that, uh, you know, the nostalgic stuff is is pretty pricey. Yeah, I mean, if you want to buy some podunk backwoods you've never even heard of this pinball game thing then like sure you can spend two thousand but that's that's the thing it's like it's not even cost efficient to buy something where it's like hey i just have a pinball game it's it's like you're buying this one you don't even want and you're still putting down thousands that's such a great idea i like yours i'm switching mine to yours that that's i didn't even think about that <laughs> well until uh, they come up with something that's like so like outlandish like uh, something tech future because i thought well that's what when you said dave and busters i thought you were going to say like the pod like the pod thing that oh they yeah, have, yeah, like, yeah yeah like the star wars thing i was I, I, still this nothing beats that answer that's a terrific answer you you definitely win that one all right so we were talking last of us too now, you don't have to leave yet you don't have to if you if you don't want spoilers because we're just talking about the game i want to ask you so it's a two-part question rich is you so everybody's out there has seen the reviews it's been 10 out of 10s a pluses whatever the grading scale is five out of five whatever the site may be it's getting like a hundred percent grades Across the board, almost. I mean, the least like you could probably see is maybe like a ninety-five out of a hundred. So that's out there. And then, so this is the two-part question for you. One, Rich, what's your opinion of those reviews? Like, what's your review? And then, when you see reviews like that, do you think it clouds your opinion and says like, even if it was ninety percent, like a nine out of ten instead of a ten out of ten, you would feel like it's even worse because everybody gave it tens. Do you, does does that question make sense? Do you understand what I'm trying to ask? Yeah, I mean, you see that a lot too, even in the movies and the movie industry as well, uh, you know, with reviews. But I mean, I try not to, to read any of that stuff before it comes out, especially for something that I was already going to buy. Like they didn't, you know, Last of Us 2 is something that they could have released with no media or no marketing strategy at all. And I would have picked it up. You know, that's kind of like when you people always ask, why are there Star Wars trailers? You know, they're going to, you know, there's a, re there's a reason anyway. they still, they still are, but you, none of us, you know, like I don't need to see a Star Wars trailer. I'm probably going to see the next movie. You know, you, I cannot like the previous six. and I'm going to go see the next one. Um, <laughs> but uh, I try to avoid a lot of the reviews, uh, especially in the video games, just because, you know, video games are definitely, people have varying interests in what they want out of a video game. So I try to just stay away from that. You know, a lot of people might like something, especially reviewers and uh, you know, something that's a gameplay, an aspect of gameplay that I don't really enjoy. And that's what they, that goes into their, their grading of the game. And then some of these sites too, I just don't really have faith in anymore at all. Uh, IGN. Uh, but, uh, uh, but, <laughs> oh, that, that's, uh, there's like, there's like pay for reviews on there. And at these days that, that site's gone. So yeah. yeah it's, it's taken a big turn since when we were younger, but uh, yeah, I, so I mean, last was two, I didn't read any of that stuff in there, especially last was two, had a lot of leaks beforehand. And I was like, I have to avoid everything because I don't want to stumble into anything I'm not supposed to see. Uh, so I really stayed away from that stuff and didn't see stuff till afterwards uh, about like the reviews. And then I read some of the mess that, you know, they were only allowed, only allowed to review the front half of the game and not mention anything about the back half of the game uh, until after it's released. So like that is a tricky thing because of, obviously if you played it and we won't, we won't get into it yet, but uh, you know, that's it to not mention any of that stuff is a pretty big surprise. Cause I feel like that would have yeah. turned a lot of people off of <laughs> if they would have known that that existed in the first place. Um, and for them to announce, to, to tell those people simply if they're not allowed to mention it should have been something that should have been warning signs for them as well in, in creating the game. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I try to avoid that stuff though in movies and, and uh, 
and video games. I try to really stay away from that stuff and not have anything so ruined for me. So or, what's your or have it or I don't want to have an opinion of something before I go into it, basically, is what I'm saying. Like, I don't okay. want to have a, something formed for me. Um, and when you were asking me about the game, because I'd already finished it before you, I was trying to just let you get to points and ask me. I didn't want to say anything, you know, to you. That's how I am, too. When you did, you did a good me. job. So what's your score? <laughs> give, give me your score. Uh, me, I will give a it a 10. I will give it a 6. A 6? That's yeah. that's funny because that's I would give it somewhere between us. Well, I guess we'll give it a six and a half because I was going to say somewhere between a six and a seven. Well, what's between six and seven, six and a half. Yeah. I'm a six. tough grader too. like for to, like to say anything is a 10, I think is pretty outrageous. <laughs> uh, like I, I would definitely agree with you. I think there's maybe two <laughs> games ever I would give a 10 to. And one of them is I think I think you agree with me on. I don't remember if you're the person who does. I'll say who what it is for everybody out there. And I, I think it's the best Zelda game and nobody ever gives it the respect is Link to the Past, not Ocarina and not Breath of the Wild. I think Link to the Past is the 10 out of 10. I mean, I, I have no pushback on that. I mean, I would, for me, Breath of the Wild is probably a, a 10 out of 10 game. I give it a 9.5. What's funny is I think Breath of the Wild is probably the best video game of the Zelda series, but it's not the best Zelda game, if that makes any sense. And see, I agree, and that's why I'll give, I'll give that's why I ding it off just that half of a point. It just like they the, do so the, many unique things from a video game perspective, like the, the weapon system. Here's my the problem with the, where Zelda got to in Breath of the Wild. Here's my, here's what my issue is with it, and it's going to tie into The Last of Us. Oh, not it. W- yeah, it will. It will just differently. The problem with Breath of the Wild is they put so many random search things and I'll say the Deku seeds. There is 0% chance anybody out there on Earth has found all 100 Deku or however many there are just by... 900 of them, man. Are are there? Whatever it might be, nobody's done it without having to look up at least one thing. And that's my thing about it. It's like, make it as challenging as you want. But don't make it so ridiculous that there's zero way that I can figure it out myself. That's that's my issue. How many did you end up getting on your like just play? Oh, the DQCs I could care less because I found out what the rewards were for them. And I was like, this is stupid. I couldn't care less about what the rewards were. So I mean, I just like would stumble upon them. They weren't yeah. something I was actively pursuing. I think but I just... got like thirty something just by stumbling across them. Oh, I got, yeah, I had like four hundred, I think. Oh, really? No, I yeah, I, I couldn't have could... cared less about those. And but we're well, gonna talk the... about that. When the DLC came out and they added the hero's journey where it kind of showed like everywhere you were on the map. Um, I like scoured. I wanted to make sure I went everywhere in that game because the map was so open. There was little details was like everywhere. Little parts so that you missed. I yeah. wanted to go everywhere and just like go over every peak, comb through that whole, that whole that game. That makes sense. I mean, I played so much of that game. I mean, it's insane. By the way, quick sidebar before we get to the spoilers portion of this. Uh, proof. I, I was clicking open a link because I actually put a whole bunch of notes here that I had, and I accidentally clicked on slick deals. I check that daily for deals and stuff like that. Proof. This is look. Hey, you won't believe this crap, Rich. This is proof. Things are listening to us. The second deal on the list for today, for this on my screen right now. Nintendo Switch Mario Kart Racing Wheel. Like, oh yeah, it's meant to be. It's, it's listening to our podcast. I'm telling you. Computers know everything. They like like. I, why is that on there? That's the only reason why. All right. So, spoilers warning, everybody. Now's your time. Cut away. Look at the timestamp. We'll be back because um, we're gonna get into it. Uh, I'll right off the top. Actually, this is even really a spoiler, but this is one of my biggest problems with this game and why I, I give it a six point five, very close to your grade. Uh, grade. Well, is, before you jump into it, what did you think of the first game? Like, what was your, what were you coming into oh, this game? Oh, the first game was like, I give the first game like a nine. 
Yeah, I'm like an eight and a half nine. So the in recent, I'm someone that will replay games. I know some people don't. They they don't. But like so, Last of Us, which is a relatively short game too. Once you even know what you're doing in, on multiple playthroughs, I've played I've played through the first one like probably six times. Yeah, I can see and, that. Yeah, so I just wanted. To, yeah, I was curious to know what you were coming in with because some people. I was co- coming in as well, a fan. Yeah. And, and I'll mm-hmm. tell you this: the one point off is the same complaint about the I'm about to make for this one, and it's all games that do this is the constant and i even this is one of the messages i sent you is the constant scrounging for every scrap of resource you can find and my only problem with it is i don't have an issue with limited resources but you know who does it perfectly and doesn't do it like to this degree where it's annoying as hell is the resident evil series right you have to be smart about what you lose you use in resident evil but guess what as you're going through the game you come across supplies if you venture on to some additional storyline stuff or hints or stuff like that you can get even better ammo or better weapons that you won't even get to unless you pay attention to that but this game the naughty dog especially this series is like the problem is is they make it so ridiculously limited that you have to search every nook and cranny and my biggest problem with it is just that it's so time consuming it's tedious it's not interesting it doesn't add anything to the game. And here's my biggest one, Rich, is don't make me open a damn drawer or cabinet and have nothing in it. F you. Like, <laughs> like, that's the worst part about it. It's already so freaking annoying. And then you add that on top of it. That's one of my biggest gripes about all Naughty, naughty Dog games. What's funny is I think at, at one point in the game, Ellie makes a comment like, oh, I can't believe this city still has this many supplies in it. <laughs> 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 and, uh, I, I think I, I know a, what you're I talking about. Chuck, I was like, yeah. I, I had a chuckle out of that. Chuck, shut the hell up. <laughs> it's like, since, you know, like four years after the fact, wherever you know everything wouldn't be around. But uh, Right. But, I mean, yeah. you understand what I'm saying between the different, like, Resident Evil does it well. Mm-hmm. Naughty, Naughty Dog does it just, it's annoying. It's not even rewarding. Yeah, and I mean, it's different, too, because the, the loadouts are different for those games. Like, you're never going to use, like, a rocket launcher on a set of zombies and in Resident <laughs> Evil because you know you're going to need it for something big like you're going right. to need your, your rockets where as this you know it's like whatever man I can get rid of my shotgun shells because I'll just get them I know I'm going to scrounge for more <laughs> and just make more which apparently you can make a bunch of weapons that you can make some explosive and ammo and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean yeah I mean so in the first game like uh, which I love like the only drawback for me is like and it's the naughty dog uh complaint for all is like they just aren't really good at like gunplay and they've never made like oh, that's on my list play. <laughs> it's just, you know, duck, duck behind something and shoot something like, um, you know, that's kind of what every Naughty Dog is game. And, and, you know, they made it so like the first game has a little bit in this game has it too, where it's a little bit unrealistic because your who your partner that you're running with is can just like run out in the open. And it's like, and the enemies don't see them. And like that, that always took a little bit away from me. Uh, but I didn't understand why they had it. So been really frustrating, you know, as we've played those companion games uh, where, you know, you have to guard someone and, uh, you know, Resident Evil was one of those originals, Resident Evil 2. Uh, but, you know, it's it's tough, man. It's, it's you know, the, their, their, their gunfire is just, their gunplay has just never been great. And it goes all the way back to the Uncharted games, uh, which oh, are more action-induced. But I, um, it, I, you can I always look past thing. it because their games are, one, they're, they're beautiful-looking games, and two, they're just a lot of fun to play, and the set pieces are good that you don't care, and the stories are typically good, where you get past and you say, well, yeah, the gameplay is like not a full 10 out of 10 like as far as the combat, but like all these other things are firing at 9s and 10s, so like, it just elevates it. Uh, yeah, but, so uh, yeah. Like, there was, there's so much of it that we still, I still haven't even got to some of it. So 
Um, hundred percent. Like I had poor battle mechanics on here. Like you said, it's always like you've had four hundred, well, five Uncharted games, two of these, and you still can't get better at it. And it's just, it, it is. I'm hundred percent with you on that one. Um, and some of the things that they've always been doing. So one of the bigger complaints I have too is the forcing you to walk and do things and slow down and or carry like it's all the stuff that they instead of putting a cut scene in where the cut scene if you think about it i mean go back to the first uncharted instead of having a cut scene that would last one minute and i understand that would shorten the game but this game is already 30 plus hours even if you go through not looking for too much stuff like instead of having a one minute cut scene we have a five minute trudge of a walk so these people can have a conversation where you have to just keep walking through like not like the scenery it's like it's almost you know that's what it is it's almost kind of like haha look at our scenery look how awesome and beautiful it is so i'm gonna make you walk through the damn stuff for five minutes and look at it because there's a boring ass conversation going on i mean i think that the one of the drawbacks of this game in particular compared to the first game is that the the companion dialogue isn't as strong which was it was really one of the strong elements of the all right well, here, well here's never... this is, this is why this is why 100 percent spoiler right here because they kill every damn companion in the game <laughs> i mean even in the first game though like the uh, you you have like the side companions that are with you that you, you know you um you have tess and then you have dan in the city and you like those you, even like they're that when you're with those characters the dialogue and the, the ancillary dialogue is so good between those characters this game still lacks a lot of that uh, yeah. from the companion piece. I mean, I, I like Dina. I think Dina was fine, but, you know, she's she gets sidelined kind of quickly in the game. And then... Jesse until was you, cool, but, like, he barely until got you get used. Lev later. Lev is cool. Um, but then the, the side... Like, like Owen is a pretty terrible character. Like, he, he does nothing for me. Uh, and <laughs> he then does Jesse, nothing, too. And then he leaves and literally does nothing. <laughs> no, I mean, his, his whole character sucks. And Mel sucks. And that whole storyline sucks. But uh, <laughs> um, it's rough, you know what? Man. That's a good thing. Well, like they, Lev's part is good. I think that that part is I will is, agree is with, an yeah. interesting dynamic. But the like, I mean, Lev's the, the was second... interesting. My problem with Mel is that they never went. So they spend all this time mm-hmm. with all these damn stories and all this time stuff. Like, and he's walking on these long, and they never really went into depth why Mel hates Abby so much. Like, they just kind of like she hates her like the end move on like it's just like there was no depth to it so you're just like man this this woman is a jerk <laughs> yeah it's it, there's not a lot of depth there obviously it's like the the new girlfriend angle and you know mel kind of calls some spades on you know abby kind of i'm sorry i don't know if i swear on the show but uh, uh kind of calls her i'm just like telling her that Who she's, also by the know, way <laughs> is freaking yoked as hell abby <laughs> Uh yeah, um with, I feel bad the, for her. I feel bad for the you see the actress was getting like death threats, uh Laura Bailey, and she's actually Mary Jane in the Spider-Man game. Uh oh really? We were talking about it as well. Yeah, it's the same voice actress, and she's getting death threats, and it's not her fault. Like, guys, she's why, reading why a she script. Death threats? She's reading a script. What's funny is Neil Druckmann is also in the game, the director of the game, and I don't know if you knew that he's Manny in the game. And at one no, point, Man- Manny actually spits on Joel's dead body, and that kind of sums up the game for me. Neil Druckmann right. spitting on Joel's dead body. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's why she was getting dead. Yeah. I was I didn't know if it was like that that random sex scene that they had to throw in where like she looked like she had like pecs and i was like did like did i miss something like that that's just first of all i didn't even need this scene. like it added nothing to the game but then like the other no, thing was, like, they made, yeah they made her so freaking yoked that i was like what the hell all right, all right so before we get to the like because we're gonna have to get to the story here in a second um 
just some other random complaints I have. And I just want your thoughts on this because this is, these are like naughty dog complaints is the puzzles aren't even puzzles. What puzzles? Just, I was just saying, what puzzles? Yeah, like, oh, you got to go pull the dumpster over here, open the gate while it slides down the ramp. Ooh, that was tough. No, you just wasted five minutes of my time to do that. Like, I didn't, it wasn't that damn hard to figure out. Like, my eight-year-old nephew could figure it out. Like, go back to Uncharted 1 and 2 where there was actually some depth to the puzzles. Or Resident Evil. Again, go back to some depth to the puzzles. Um, the obvious when sequences are coming, that's just like, you, when you go on top of a building, all of a sudden there's random like like vents and stuff like that and it looks like there's all these things to hide about hide behind it's like oh what a surprise i'm about to be you know ambushed because there's 18 places to hide uh here's my other problem is that they just totally <laughs> ripped off the walking dead that the scars are pretty much just the saviors even with the whistling all the all the way did you watch, get did you watch the walking dead? i didn't get that far in the walking dead i was out uh, oh. before then Oh yeah, so that's for everybody. It's everybody's the Walking Dead has seen the saviors. They whistle and like so everybody gets that they you're hundred percent that's the same thing. Uh the little squeezing through passages and stuff instead of you know showing a load screen or anything like that, they cheat out of that. Um here's my biggest one to go back to the battle. So I just want to throw those out there because I do want to get your opinion on this one. Is their mechanics. So I have a big problem with you're being sneaky, you're being quiet, you're doing it the right game. But then the random events that they you can't avoid screw you over because like it's somebody who's like no matter what you do this person's about to jump out at you or this you're about to be attacked by a zombie or whatever it is. But because you're sneaking along and crouching and doing like the little vision thing, they're on top of you because you're in this bad spot because you're trying to be quiet. <laughs> that's always been a, a stealth mechanic that's been hard to overcome. I do like that that you can't do like the repetitive way um like you know kill people the same way over and over or you know the I do like that, that. they start to catch on. And that, that was a nice change or they make it and the dogs added an element. I know a lot of people complain about the dogs uh, because you know no one likes to I, kill dogs. <laughs> I will I will admit I did like cringe a little bit at killing every single dog that you had to kill. Yeah, they well they kind of force it. I mean, listen, they go for an element where they want to make the, they want to make you when with even with the people, they really up the, the viscerality of it. I don't know if that's even a word of when you even stealthily kill someone that like you're taking. They wanted to at least make it feel like this is uncomfortable, even like the people, you know. Uh, yeah, it, they 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 did go for that, and and that's kind of like a, one of the themes of the game is the the things you're forced to do in this in this world that's created. Um, that I thought was actually one of the effective things, but yeah, I mean, all yeah. those stealth games—it's it's tough. You're always going to have that element that that kind of wrecks it. For no, you. I, I, you're, I, you're playing like, through a section and you're doing it 75% the way you want to, and then uh, you know <laughs> something something goes wrong that really was unpreventable. And well, so we're gonna tie. I'm gonna tie. It into, yeah, I'm gonna tie Spider-Man into this because I love Spider-Man. I like Spider-Man a hell of a lot more than this game. I give Spider-Man probably like an eight and a half out of ten. Uh, I will like, but similarly, I'll complain about the same thing. Like Spider-Man, they have, if you haven't played it out there, there's certain like areas you can go where you have to like beat a base We'll call it a base and they have waves. So even if you're stealthily taking out the entire first wave, when you get down to the last guy of the first wave, wave two shows up and automatically knows where you are, even if you were stealth the entire time. So Mm -hmm. like, I'll complain about like the same things. And I will say, like you just mentioned, there was a lot of things I did like about the game. Some of the cutscene stuff was really good. Some of the, as you mentioned, the set pieces were really good. I'll give you another one. The detail, you mentioned the graphics. It's not just the detail, but the detail of the story is the fact that, here's another spoiler, when Abby was getting hanged, every time after that, for like the next couple hours of the game, she had scars around her neck from where Mm -hmm. she was being hanged. Like, cool stuff like that um 
on the flip side, uh, we might as well get into it. Uh, so, uh, oh, actually, you know, the one other weird one that I noticed on the flip side of the, the whole rope burn thing is that uh, Lev's sister cuts her arm off and then like 10 minutes later is going through dirty water. <laughs> it's like there's nothing. <laughs> That's cool. Whatever. You know, just about to get like uh, septic or whatever the disease is. <laughs> like, but whatever. All right. So this is what you and I were complaining about the most between each other is the story. Um, you brought up a really good fact about how Abby should have been played first. For everybody out there, this is the most giant, gigantic spoiler you're going to get of it. Abby kills Joel. The whole game, you think, is about the fact of Ellie getting revenge for killing Joel because she's there when it happens. She sees it happen. She watches Abby kill him. But the second half of the game, you backtrack three days and play as Abby, and they try to develop Abby's character. And Lev, what Rich, you're talking about, is Lev is this kid from the Saviors. Oh, I'm sorry, Scars. Uh, that she actually the Seraphites. Helps, yeah, the Seraphites. That she actually helps rescue him and his sister, and it tries to you know give you some understanding and a feeling for Abby and all this type of stuff. And you said they should have played Abby first. I actually got a different one for you, Rich. And you can complain. I want you to complain about it too and say why you hated it so much. Um, actually, no, you do that first and I'll give you my solution. I actually think there's a slightly better solution than playing as Abby first. But you tell me why you hated it so much because I completely agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like they tried to wedge in. You know, in the first game, you, there's a point in the game where you think Joel could quote unquote die. And you start playing as Ellie, and it's like a huge shock. I remember getting to that point in the first game, and I was like, "Oh, I'm going to finish this. You know, I'm going to wrap up this part. You know, uh, at the at the college or at the uh, you know, and I'm going to be done. I'm just going to be done. I'm going to I'm going to get this part and I'll be done. And then like Joel dies, you start as Ellie, and I was like, yeah. "Oh." And then I played for like three more hours <laughs> because it was <laughs> such like a shock moment. And I felt like they were trying to double down on that a little bit by having you kind of go back and play as Abby. But the part of the story almost doesn't work is because, one, you're never going to you, – you've already had this whole game come out where we love Joel and we love Ellie. We love these characters. So there's a reason why we're playing the game in the first place. And you take one away from us and they don't even explain to you why there's no motive at this point when Joel dies. Right. You get right. this character thrown in and she maims him with a golf club. First of all, she blows his knee off. After, after you save her life, by the way, with Joel. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, the biggest so, thing for everybody out there. You, yeah, yeah, as Joel, while you're playing as Joel, you save her life before this. Well, it's as Abby, but Joel kind of you, you save her. It's like interwoven, interwoven to the the story, right? And then you don't play as Abby again for another, you know, ten hours, and then you then you yeah, do sorry, as her. Yeah, but, that's, that's, yeah. but it's you, there's no motivation, so you just know for ten hours Joel Joel's killed by this character, and then you play as you know you, you play as Ellie, and you still, but while you're playing as Ellie, you don't really gain any information as to why they still kill Joel. Like there's a right. couple hints around it, but you still don't know until you fully take over as Abby and it's explained in that first chapter. But by then you have no sympathy for her. You, exactly. like there's, there's, you, you have nothing built up. There's no emotional investment into her. So, I mean, at least they could have, you don't have to just go one for one and play Abby and then play Ellie. They could have interwoven, I think, the story a little better to where you, you build up some sympathy and empathy for her character so before she you, kills so you, Joel and make it conflicting for you because then you just when you take over Zabby the number one complaint was people just were like oh I hate her like I'm not I don't want to play this her I hate her and ironically like I told you I found her like her loadout was better than Ellie's and some of her gameplay is actually more 
interesting than Ellie's. Is Ellie's Ellie's storyline is so, or her gameplay is so repetitive, and that's one of the biggest differences I think from this game to the first one is they really don't mix up a lot of the gameplay and uh, like Ellie's no. section of the story is really stagnant for me gameplay wise, and just wasn't a ton of fun to play gameplay wise. Or Abby's was a little bit walking, more fun, but her story is terrible. <laughs> boring <laughs> but, walking uh, fight zombies. Boring walking fight dudes. Boring walking fight people. Boring walking fight zombies. Dude, like, in the game. You, like you said, like they get they they get all these ancillary characters. They hire Jeffrey Wright. He has like five lines in the whole game, and his character just <laughs> is instantly dead. Like like at some point, there's no they don't use that character effectively. You brought up Yara, who's Lev's you know sister, and like yeah. she serves her purpose and then just takes a gunshot, and it's like there's no it's like it's not even like, dramatic. It's just like it's, to go it's, back to the boring part. All the beats. Okay. <laughs> How about for so I te- I sent you one message like for, so early on in the game you play freaking snowball. Like there's like a snowball <laughs> fight with some dumb kids. You have to hit, you have to hit 10 of them. Like that was, I, uh, I'll bleep myself out because I'm about to say you, you pork chop sandwiches, herd sheep in the game and you have to do it. Like this is so <laughs> mind numbingly stupid. I want to play Like I was actually somewhat invested in the story. I'm herding sheep. Like, Oh my God! I just wanted to like I oh I, I wanted to stop the game at that point, but I was so close to the end. It's very close to the end when that happens. No, you said inter- intertwine, and this is what I was. This is my suggestion, and I'll get your opinion, Richard. Think you this would have been better? It's not even just like maybe had Abby first or intertwine. So take the scene, take the scene where they get they capture Joel and they capture um who's uh, what the guy was Tommy was his other yeah. name, and you know they get Tommy and Ellie and they're in that room immediately knock her out and go to her perspective and her perspective is perspective is everybody in the room is blurred because she can't see and have joel still killed while she's in the room so she wants revenge have her kind of see that somebody was trying to stop them from killing her so you don't know if that was maybe abby trying to stop them from killing her and then you play abby and then you don't know abby was the one who had the revenge you didn't know abby was the one that killed her like it's just left up in the air and then the twist is you find out that it was actually Abby who killed her. So you can get invested in Abby and you can get invested in Abby, like still in the flow of the game that they put it out in. Yeah. I mean, anything to make you one care about Abby is important. <laughs> it's a, it's a really an important element uh, that is overlooked by, by the creators <laughs> of this game. And I understand that. I think Neil Druckmann even came out and said he wanted us to hate Abby, but it just doesn't work. It just doesn't no. work. Uh, because At the end of the game, <laughs> let me ask you something. At the end of the game, because here's this is like again I, we warned you there's tons of spoilers here at the end of the game ellie when i'm talking about the hurting the sheep this is right before she goes after abby again when they said they were going to let things go abby said go your own way and she left ellie was supposed to stay with uh the girl D- dinah yeah yeah but, she, yeah, but she, dina so she goes after her anyway at the end of the game where you cut her down from the beach so abby's there they've tied up lev they're both half dead she cuts down Abby because she wants to fight her. Abby gets Lev down, and Abby's like, I'm not going to fight you. And Ellie goes over to Lev and puts the knife to his throat and says, yes, you are. I wanted Abby to kill Ellie at that point. You ruined this entire series by I wanted Ellie to die. I mean, the biggest thing I think that the you know people always talk about, you know, they didn't like playing with Abby. They, they didn't like Abby's character, and the storyline doesn't hit. But to me, the biggest the discrepancy that this game has overall is that they basically ruined Ellie for me. 
She's 100%. her characters. Her characters one note the entire time, and I get you know there's it's revenge element, but she has there's there's no layers to her character at all at any point. And then, but by the point like you said, by the end of the game when you go to California, Santa Monica, like I'm exhausted with the story at this point. Like her trying to get her, her trying to get to Abby is like I'm exhausted. I'm like kind of over it. And when you yeah. see the lengths that she's going to, like it kind of makes no sense. It just really doesn't make any sense. She doesn't um, care who she gets killed. She doesn't I mean, care the, about yeah, it's it's that's the the biggest my biggest hang up is they took this character, um, th- you know, Ellie that was one of my favorite characters, and then she's just she has nothing that she has she has nothing to offer you, uh, which is which is a bummer. She it's a big drag. Ellie's a big drag in this game, and that's a uh, that's kind of the the big hang up. Also, her going to back to the hospital in Salt Lake City doesn't really make a lot of sense either, just to kind of push no. the story narrative along, where she goes by herself. Uh, because we went on this game, and we went on this whole journey of them getting to the hospital the first game and realized how hard it was. And now in this one, like people can just fast travel on, on their own and nothing happens to them, uh, <laughs> which is kind of a, a thing that goes on. Everyone does it in the game. Uh, think, I think yeah. that ended up happening on Walking Dead too, right? Didn't people just start fast traveling? Well, it's Thrones. Just, thr- if you thrones, think about it, like, that's the safest way to travel because as soon as you got around other people somebody was getting shot in the face (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's true man uh but it's a bummer and some of these games have tried this where you like overlap and play the same story but i think that's what hurt the game like you said when you overlap two stories that take the same environment part of the first game that's so fun is you go across the country and there's all these different elements you go from boston to you know the to salt lake city you go to the college you're you're you know you're in the 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 snow area in Colorado like there's you go to all these locations that makes it fun the the Seattle location is beautiful and it's great looking it definitely um, but, is but you are in it the whole game you and you don't go you go to Santa Monica at the very end of the game uh, and you have like one little tutorial in Jackson but you play the whole game in Seattle whereas you know the first game like I said you go to Pittsburgh you're in Boston you're doing all you're going to all these places and there's all these different environments where this one just didn't have I feel I feel like it lacked a lot of creativity and in, in gameplay and that's what really hurt it outside the story. Um, yeah, it's just a bummer, man. Cause I wanted to love this game a lot. I really, really did. And it, it's not a bad game. Like I said, we're giving it sixes no. and it's on a hard scale. It's there's definitely, you won't pick up this game and be appalled by it. Um, no, but it definitely is a, is a far cry from where the first one was for me. And it's definitely not a 10 out of 10. I don't know why. <laughs> All these ten out of tens. Like even if you just took it on the story alone, which I'm very. But the Uncharted's were like that too. They kept real intense, and like those games after two kind of progressively yeah, got a little four, bit worse. That's what, I, that's what I even said to you. Three and four fell off a little bit. Three and four actually had the same problem where they started the puzzles started getting a little lax, and it was just kind of like almost more time wasters than anything. But that's why I was going to bring up Spider Man. I think Spider Man is one of the best games I've played in the past couple of years because. It's, I want to make the comparison for everybody out there to understand where we're coming from is in Spider-Man, there were tedious side missions, but you didn't have to, what it did in Spider-Man and why I think it's different is because in Spider-Man, you unlocked new suits and you unlocked new suits who potentially had new powers that made the game a little bit easier. There were some powers that you might not even like, but everyone just used w- the web blossom. Who are we kidding? Yeah. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I love the web blossom, but <laughs> The, my point being is it wasn't necessary to the game. Like, even if you skipped all of it, you actually made the game a little bit harder, but you could still play the game. Like, I chose not to do all the damn bird missions. I also chose not to, I forget what else I chose not to do. Um, but you did, oh, the, the Taskmaster, t- Taskmaster stuff. I didn't, I didn't choose to finish all those. Like, and guess what? I still enjoy the game because the storyline was, what is, arguably, I don't know about you, Rich. I thought the story was better than any Spider-Man movie. 
Well, except for probably um, two you know, into the Spider Verse, but uh, oh, into Spider Verse, yeah, like, I don't know this 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 story was great. I mean, it, it is it, great it, though. It's it's what makes it. I mean, what makes it for me too is they you know they nailed Peter Parker that that both you get both you yes. know Peter Parker and Spider Man together. We haven't really had that until you know Tom Holland and we got it in Spider Verse two with Miles and the Mary Jane but, stuff was dramatic but not annoying. It was actually like mm-hmm. really well done. My biggest here's my biggest complaint with that game though is playing as Mary Jane and Miles Morales of the sneaking around sections. That was that was a little annoying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you had to switch over. The only one I liked with Mary Jane was the part in Grand Central Station where you went back and forth. That was good. Um, that was well. That's done. when it was good. That that was fine because then you could see you do something as Mary Jane. She'd tip off Spider Man. You'd do something with Spider Man. You'd see it in the back. You know, you it, it worked together. So I mean, that definitely worked better. But there was a lot of sections of that game, yeah, where you snuck around and it kind of slowed the game down a little bit and didn't like, make it as okay, fun. But uh, whatever. But yeah, the story is story is great, and they made Peter Parker great, which helped it. I'm excited. I know this one's going to be the Miles section is going to be more like an Uncharted Legacy version where it's going to be a shorter game, and I'm actually okay with that. I'm okay if games want to do that if they can crank out more content uh and not make me wait for whole games i'm fine with that and the cool thing on spider-man is it's one of the games too that actually had dlc i feel like when when we had this when we had the next generation of consoles i was like in love with the idea of dlc and i remember you know mass effect was one of the first games that really used it to their advantage where the dlc was excellent and it was it added to the game and it was great. And then just like more games started going away from it. And and they're like, well, we're not going to put out the small piece of content. We're going to wait and do a whole new game. <laughs> um, and Spider-Man had DLC, which was great. And so, I mean, uh, if they're going to put out another like game, that's only 20 hours long. I'm totally cool with that. 15, 20 hours. I'm fine with that. Like, I don't mind at all. Cause one, I don't have a lot of time to play video games. I want to, yeah, I want to get through some of these games and not invest 60, 70 hours always into a game and have it last three months. Uh, uh, I want to play them and get the stories. Uh, I'm I'm 100% with you. So that's where we're actually going to go with next is I kind of wanted to ask you. Well, first of all, I, I didn't even was going to ask you this part. So, so first of all, are you getting the new Xbox or the new PlayStation when it comes out? I've always been a Sony guy because I've been tied to the exclusive more. I'm curious to see what's available for each launch. Like, I'm because you know they've announced Horizon. I don't know if you played Horizon Zero Dawn, but uh, they're kind of funny on like what the actual release date. It hasn't really been announced because they've shown yeah. they haven't really shown any gameplay. So I'm curious to see if it's going to be a launch game or it's going to be like something that's you know pushed I out have that, later. I have that sitting here. I got it when it was 15 bucks. Um, I'm guessing I should play it. Great story. Uh, it's, you know, I don't want to ruin anywhere, but great story because it's, okay. uh, I was really in, in thrilled with the world and learning more about what happened in the world in that game. Um, but it was funny as, you know, me and my buddy always talk about, he played Breath of the Wild first because Breath of the Wild and Horizon had almost exact same release dates. And he played Breath of the Wild first I and I that. played Horizon first. And in Breath of the Wild, as you know, you can climb anything. You can just climb anything. If you want to climb that mountain, you can. If you got enough stamina, you can climb it. And uh, Horizon is like that. There's only like set markers. So like he, he trans over transitioned over. He was like, oh, I can't climb any of this stuff. What what am I doing? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was the opposite, where I only could climb up these like certain points of these mountains. And then you know I'm playing Zelda, and I'm like, oh cool, I can just go up that. Like I just go, <laughs> look up to it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> why aren't more games like this? Uh, <laughs> but like uh, the games back in the day, like. Uh... Actually, it might have even been like Resident Evil, like the games back in the day, like where if you fall into water, you can't swim and it's like instant death. Oh, Prince, yeah. Well, the first Prince GTA, Persia, G- way back Grand, Theft Auto, Grand Theft Auto 3 was like that, right? Or is it 2? The first one, you couldn't swim. The one, the good one. So it was 3. Well, the first one for PS2. 
uh, you couldn't swim. And then they finally added it. I was like, yeah, come on, guys. Uh, you know what's funny? But I'm curious I, to see because Xbox um, bought Xbox a bunch guy. of private studios. Uh, I, mean, I have both. Well, Microsoft bought a bunch of private studios, so they might have some stuff in the pipeline exclusives because that's what hurt them towards the tail end. It's just they just didn't like Sony was just cranking exclusive after exclusive that was just right. dominating. Uh, well, that's, but they bought do you have a bunch Xbox? of studios. Uh, no, not anymore. Just because there was it ran out. They ran out of games there. Oh, because out. I was going to say the uh, so their their game release is on the twenty third of this month. Uh, the Senua is that how you say it? That game, whatever it was. Um, that's exclusive to Xbox that they're supposed to have at the launch of the new Xbox was a surprisingly, ama- I would say, amazing game. Like, if you have somebody who lets you borrow their Xbox and you didn't play it, like Senua's Tale or something like that, I forget what it's... Hold on. I don't look this up right now, just so you know. Because if you like scary, like, but... Oh, it's Hellblade. Hellblade, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. So, go get that. Uh, I would say borrow it and play it. Um, I think it's a thousand times better than last of us two i would put up there by like last of us one it's just a very interesting well it's not without its flaws but very well done if you if you like those kind of games but so that's my other question for you then all right so like there's i sent you the list like the biggest potential games coming out for the rest of the year do you have two three like we said spider-man miles morales is that one of the top games you're looking for yeah, I mean, I'm look, definitely looking forward to that. Like I said, the, the, the first game was just so fun uh, to play. I mean, there was times where I would put Spider-Man in and not even play the game. I'd just swing around the city for a little bit just because it was so good. That the was the best so Spider-Man good. game ever, making you feel like you were Spider-Man. Right, and, and the city was great. Um, so definitely looking forward to that. I mean, I'm still interested in Cyberpunk. I think it looks interesting. Um, <laughs> I, I know that there's that. some... There are some things that are kind of scary, like we talked about, just that are going on in, in production. And, you know, COVID has kind of set some of these games back in general. But I'm still interested in it. I think it looks it looks interesting. It's got some interesting ideas. Yeah, but what did I say to you? Anytime you're this deep into development yep. and you're scrapping an entire mechanic, which is wall running, not that I care that much about wall running, but you're scrapping an entire mechanic this late into the development just is like, eh. Yeah, and I mean, we don't know. We don't have release dates, like I said, on Horizon, and um, we don't have release dates on, uh, you know, Breath of the Wild 2, which is coming. Uh, we were talking about that's, the that's Avengers game, which is terrifying to me. The Avengers game is terrifying. It looks bad, but I'm really interested because I want to play with my friends as Avengers. I want to have my oh, friends I get on I want it to be good. So you, you saw the video, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's, it the, looks rough. The game looks bad. Uh, it was the core video, fun. right? Yeah. Yeah, on the helicarrier or whatever it was. It was just, oh my god! If anybody's never seen it, it just uh, it's 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 honestly one. Put it this way: if you have high hopes and hopefully things get changed, don't even go watch it. It's <laughs> just like don't watch right. it. And hopefully they come out with an updated uh, video sometime. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I want it to be fun because, like I said, I want to have my friends to get on and all, all of us play as Avengers online. I think that's it's a great idea to be. <laughs> so I want it, it to be good. <laughs> It is. It just looks like trash. It does, man. It looks rough. It so looks rough. the two, the two, the two biggest ones I had. Well, Halo Infinite. If you know, I'm assuming this Series X is going to have that at launch. I would have to think that they have. But it's like my, might surprise. Like I put them on the list. The two ones that I'm looking most forward to. One is actually a re-release. Is Tony Hawk's one and two. I am so pumped for a re-release of Tony Hawk two. Not even so much one, but just two. And then the Star Star Wars Squadrons. Have you seen that? I haven't seen any of the gameplay for it. I've just seen like a, I think I saw like the video when they, but it was no. I don't think it had any gameplay. 
most of it's online. It's like kind of. Is it? Um, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen any gameplay for it. Was oh crap! What was the name of the? What's the game? Titanfall. It's kind of like that, mm-hmm. where it's very low story wise, more about just playing online with people, and it just. I mean, it makes and they've tried like it and it hasn't worked. They, both of those Battlefront games didn't work. Yeah, I'm super excited about that one. Anything? Do you have a Nintendo Switch? Yeah. Oh yeah. You're gonna play Paper Mario? You gotta play that, right? Oh uh, yeah, I'll play Paper Mario. Uh, you know, Breath of the Wild. Obviously, the family. You know, we got Animal Crossing uh, on there. You so. keep saying that, but dude, you should learn by now. Zelda, the next Zelda, is probably gonna come out in about three years. Whenever Switch is, <laughs> this is how they do it. Switch is dying, and then whatever their next Nintendo thing is. <laughs> well, they were supposedly had a bunch of DLC ready, and they only released that one extension of dlc they supposedly were going to keep releasing dlc and they said man we've got so much we can just make another game uh (laughs) yeah i know but it's so good and breath wild so fun man all right we'll talk a little bit football before we get out of here yeah that's fine we do do have to talk i put mahomes contract in here but we don't it's not more it's not mostly about mahomes contract Mm -hmm. Uh, my biggest question to you, so I have an article that just, again, depending, well, actually, by the time you listen to this, it will be out on the site. Uh, I did 11 overdrafted players right now, Rich, and okay. I, I put Sammy Watkins, despite the fact his ADP is wide, <laughs> no, his wide, he's wide receiver 56, and I said, yes, you can still be overdrafted at 56 because there's zero point in drafting Sammy Watkins, but only six spots in front of him is Mecole Hardman, but I've seen Hardman go as high as into the low 30s what do you make of this because i know you've seen the tweet because our friend evan silva is the one that put it out there where he said there was 13 targets in the games when both tyreek hill and sammy watkins played it was from my article oh that was from your article there look (laughs) at that it was from my sammy it was from my michael harden article so there you go. Well, pardon, nothing better. There you go. So that who better to ask that I will stop asking the question. You just talk. Yeah, I mean, McCall Hardman's one of those tricky guys. I mean, obviously, he is the the the, the crutch analysis of in a best ball wide receiver. I mean, the guy is, just was a Everybody's splash play machine. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he was listen. He was first in the NFL and you know yards for catch, yards for target. He was second in percentage of catches go for 20 or more yards Jared Cook was actually first which is interesting <laughs> which is funny <laughs> um and he, he was just big splash play guy but you know he he got his opportunities only when those guys were off the field uh and then I dug in some into some nuggets about the how often the Chiefs wide receiver three so we would assume he's at least ahead of Demarcus Robinson coming into this season the way they left off but the Chiefs third wide receiver last season only averaged 25 routes per game 2.9 targets per game um, you know, regardless who it was. So, I mean, you've got Kelsey, you've got uh, Tyreek Hill. Uh, listen, Watkins isn't going to go away, even though we aren't going to, he's not going to have functional fantasy value because one, they, they restructured his contracts. They wanted him back. And the guy like balls out for them in the postseason. like the past two postseasons, like he's, he's been awesome for them. So they, they definitely wanted him back. So it's tough to see him completely jumping, you know, even Watkins probably in year two, they just, they're just not pressed. They bring everyone back that played a wide receiver snap for them, except for DeAnthony Thomas, who they cut in week six last year. So it's just really hard for me to see like where the volume comes from, even with an injury. Cause he had two injuries. He had multiple injuries happen to guys last year. And Tyree Kill missed four games outright and two other games. He played just 12 and seven snaps. Uh, and then Watkins missed two games and had a couple other games where he played a couple, just a little bit of lower snaps. And then you add a, another pass catching running back and Clyde Edwards Blair. So it's really hard for me to, to say from a draft capital stance that I want to invest in this guy, because here's the problem with Michael Hardman. You're, he's like a, he's like a Tony Pollard or an Alexander Madison. 
you're never going to cut that guy. You're never right. going to play him, and you're never going to cut him. So he eats a roster spot. If you don't run into a Tyreek Tyree Kill injury or he doesn't bypass Watkins right away, you're sitting and waiting for that to happen in season. And it may never happen. And roster spots are important. And I feel like a lot of people undervalue the importance of roster spots. And it's why my I don't draft a lot of pure handcuff running backs, guys that don't have standalone value. Sure, if Zeke got hurt, man, Tony Powder would be awesome. He would. But I can't draft a guy where his only path to playing is if another guy gets hurt i understand he's a lot he's a lottery ticket yeah he's gonna smash but if you look at like the history of just pure handcuffs that follow these guys that are drafted in rounds one and two they don't hit our one of our good friends jj Reeson wrote an article on this and over the past 10 years of the 39 guys we'd qualified as breakout running backs only six uh, were guys that were attached to a running back that was taken in the first two rounds of fantasy drafts. We've all died on this hill of Ben Tate Hill of guy. If this guy gets hurt, this guy will be excellent. It doesn't really play out that way. Did and I get it. Ben I, Tate? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everyone was, remember he was going like a seventh round those yeah, years. Barry Foster gets hurt. Ben Tate, because he was getting a hundred carries and he was awesome. Like Tony, Tony Power did a hundred touches last year and he was awesome with those touches. He's electric. He's a dynamite player, but his only path for him to make my fantasy line is to have a, a guy that's getting taken in the first 10 picks get hurt. It's hard for me to, to, to want that guy because I am someone – I like to use my roster. I like to rotate guys. I like to take flyers on guys that are playing for injured guys at my wide receiver three spot or a flex spot, guys that I believe are only going to be good for one week. They've got one week appeal, and I want to rotate those guys in. I want to – I like roster fluidity. I like to use my whole roster. And I get some people like lottery tickets too. And if that's your thing, I'm not trying to talk you out of that. But the way I play, I like to use my entire roster. And I feel like McCole Hardman is another was one of those guys that only has one He's set of outcomes. A wide receiver handcuff. And yes, and and that's I feel like is a problem for the way I like to play. Uh, so that's kind of, you know, the, the crux of my take on it. All right, that's certainly good. And you mentioned a name in there that I'm getting a lot of pushback on, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, because I have him as an RB1, uh, which, again, I put it in the article. I'm going to keep hammering this point home. If you haven't read my articles, that's fine. But, again, just because I have them ranked there doesn't mean you have to take them there. That's the value of ADP. You can wait till the third round and still take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So understand the difference between the two, and that's how you use ADP, whether it's divert- whether you disagree, if you think somebody's worth more. But So all that being said, the quiet Edwards Hilaire comes to a good point of rookies in general. And, you know, a lot of people will say in the industry, like, you know, rookies get overvalued every single year. And there's a certain truth to that. There's also a certain truth to ones that hit with the capital behind them when they're in great situations. And I'm not throwing this name out there to be like, Oh, look at me, Rich. Cause people who listen to this podcast know he was on the last episode, but D'Angelo Williams, former NFL running back, who I think <laughs> knows even more than you and I do about the actual game. Um, despite like us beating him statistically, I would say that. Uh, but knowing the game, he says, as the Chiefs, he goes, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire will be out there seeing a ton of touches. Not He wasn't saying 70% of the workload. He goes, but you don't draft the Chiefs. You don't draft somebody in the first round of his talent and worry about using them in week one. Where do you stand on rookies, and do you come into the argument of like, well, there's a difference between Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Keyshawn Vaughn, who was drafted in the fourth round or something like that? Was it the yeah, round? I mean, it's was interesting. Vaughn, Vaughn was fourth round, right? He was third. I think he was like pick third? 76, something like that, like 75, 76 in that yeah, area. So you're right, 76. Good good on you. Late, late, late third. This is, there you go. 
Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm I'm someone that tends to be a little bit pessimistic on rookies That's in amazing. general, uh, more so on wide receivers than running backs. But of I keep course. seeing I keep seeing people lump Clyde Edwards-Helaire into first round running backs, but like he's like a he's like barely a first running back. Like this isn't a guy that was taken pick eight like Chris McCaffrey in the top fifteen. Like it was there was a luxury element. I mean, the Chiefs are returning twenty of their twenty two starters from Super Bowl team. Right. Like they are, they're locked and loaded and they've got a guy not now long, no longer on his rookie contract in Patrick Mahomes. Um, but they had a luxury pick, you know, and a, it, that's what Clyde Edwards Slayer was. They really didn't have a, a pure team need they had to pursue. And, you know, running back was kind of a semi need because we saw their depth kind of get exposed last year. Uh, you know, they had to turn to LaShawn McCoy and, you know, Darrell Williams during the season. And those guys weren't as productive as Damian Williams was. And we saw when Damian Williams came back and was healthy. Anytime Damian Williams was healthy, so he got thrown out of line a couple times. They were all in on Damian Williams. Anytime he came back and was healthy enough to play, he was like the feature back. And it just happened that he went in and out of lineup a couple times. He couldn't string a lot of those weeks together until it was the end of the season uh, and then hit us with another one of those postseason runs. But anytime he played, they were trying to turn the, turn the ball over to him. But I keep seeing, you know, Clyde Slayer lumped in with, you know, Todd Gurley and all these guys and say, well, this is what first-round running backs have done in fantasy drafts. But I actually posted a chart with other, like, guys that were taken, you know, outside of the top 15, and some of their usage is kind of cattywampus. It's kind of all over the place. Uh, so, I mean, it, we might see some of that. And, and guys that have been taken in that area recently – have all been guys that we kind of had to wait on. And you look at Nick Chubb, we had to wait for week seven for him to start. Miles Sanders didn't play 50% of his team snaps until week 11. I think 53% was the highest he played up until that point. Ronald Jones was picked 41. He had 30 rookie touches. Joe Mixon was picked 48. Uh, He had only eight games with 10-plus carries as a rookie. Derrick Henry was picked 45. He shared touches with uh, DeMarco Murray. Kerryon Johnson was picked 43, timeshare back. T.J. Eldon was picked 36, just four picks after, uh, you know, Clyde Edwards-Lair. Yeah, he only, but he only had 200 touches as a rookie. Uh, Carlos Hyde was picked 57. Amir Abdullah, Bishop Sankey. I mean, you kind of get the picture on Sony Michelle, Rashad so, Penny. Well, <laughs> let, me, let me push back a little bit on you for this conversation. Is, you know, you can go the flip side to it of, like, the Jacobs and the Zeeks, and I know, like, they were taking But Jacobs had no competition. Right, right. Well, the, and that's what I'm going to go for here is it's kind of making it to a, a, a two-sided point here is where I'm going to come from you is one is all the guys like the Jacobs, the Barclays, the Zeeks and stuff like that, to your point, like, you know, even Dalvin Cook, if not for injury, you know, that type of stuff, mm-hmm. like there was the competition. You're right, 100% about that. So I think the two, two-sided point I was going to make is that you have landing spot, which obviously is, but where I'm going to push back with you, like DeAndre Swift, we're not sure about him. Jonathan Taylor, we're not sure about him with like the landing spots because there's competition there. With Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I'm not worried that he gets 20 touches. If you tell me Clyde Edwards-Hilaire only gets 13 to 15 every single week, all 16 games, I still think he's going to be an RB1. Well, that's where, yeah. That I mean, I actually agree as well uh, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think it, what you're looking for with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and he didn't maybe have that the, the capital that I kind of alluded to, you don't want to lump in those guys, but kind of how the Panthers use Christian McCaffrey as a rookie. Uh, probably like something similar to like that um, where we don't really, we may not see him score a lot of touchdowns. Cause I mean, I think the, the hang up for Clyde Ritzler is that you still got this, you know, a lot of people forget Damian Williams, a 220 pound back, you know, Clyde Ritzler is a 208 pound back in a, you know, I think that, you know, definitely could be some goal line influence from Damian Williams, even if he concedes, you know, just about everything else. Uh, we could see him still get used at the goal line just based on size. We see coaches do this all the time. They archetype these players based on build and so who gets 
these touches in the in the out of the backfield. You see it all the time. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is one of the first backs, you know, to be used the way he is for his size. Uh, unless you go back, you know, to like the Ray Rice days. Now, um, you know, I, I always refer to him as purgatory backs. Devin Singletary is one right now, uh, a guy that doesn't catch passes or get goal line carries, uh, but is an efficient player in his own right. But to go for fantasy football, touchdowns matter and catches matter. But I think Clyde Edwards Slayer is going to catch a ton of passes, like rookie. Chris McCaffrey did. Um, I think the rushing element's kind of a wild card, but it doesn't matter because it's going to be an efficient offense that's going to score points, like you said. Um, and then you have the upside for if, yeah, Damian Williams hasn't been healthy. He's also a 28-year-old, you know, you know, running back that we can qualify kind of as a journeyman at this point. So, I mean, I think you all those running backs, you can definitely make an easy argument for them. And I think that the pro side is definitely in play for all those guys as well. I mean, you look at Marlon Mack, he's missed multiple games every year of his career. Uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor is arguably the best pure runner to come into the NFL from pure, in terms of rushing acumen, and arguably ever. You know, it's kind of three, three straight 2,000-yard rushing seasons. <laughs> it is coming in, coming into the NFL uh, and playing behind an and awesome he's, And he's a decent line. pass catcher, better than people. Re- I think uh, I'd put him in the Leonard Fournette kind of tier of like you know more dump off than running routes but like, yeah there's like a baseline of being able to catch a football and adding uh adding an element to an offense by catching the football and he's probably in that first <laughs> yeah first it's certainly the first one yeah that's <laughs> actually that's why i'm like that's why i'm a very big darius guys fan because i actually think darius guys can be used in the passing game instead of just a dump off actually like i think pure talent if we knew he was healthy i would take guys over Fournette. Uh, I mean, just even seeing them. Back yeah, I mean, Acres, Acres is competing with two guys that caught six combined passes last year, and you know yeah. didn't do anything. I with mean, their Acres touches. is also. It's really easy to make the pro <laughs> argument for all these guys, except for oh, you know Dobbins probably has the hardest initial oh, argument st- because people need to stop with he's in the he's in the article too. Like people taking him in the twenties, I understand. Yes, if Mark Ingram gets hurt, you t- to your point about the handcuffs before Mark Ingram gets hurt, potential top ten running back, and I would probably put money on it if you told me yeah, he goes way. Yeah, but we're talking like Mark Ingram. Guess what? Full season last year, and Mark Ingram's not going anywhere until he's done going. You know, I want. I don't want. We've. I've already taken a ton of your time. I want to get you one more question out of here before you get out of here. Um, because I tweeted this earlier, and this is related to Scott Fishbowl. It's also related to because, uh, Rich, I'm ending up with this guy in almost every single draft so far. Because, and I think you know because I kind of sent you the list beforehand, but I want to see if everybody can guess and by giving hints for everybody out there. We waited and waited and waited for this guy. Oh. <laughs> the, the, the talent is amazing, and that's why we waited. And that's why we made excuses year after year after year. He finally breaks out last year. From week four on, do you know where Devontae Parker ranked, Rich? From week four on, I think you do know, but do you know? Well, I mean, he was number two from when – Preston Williams go. got hurt, so if you want to bump it up. No, it was, it was even before two. Preston Williams got hurt. He played with <laughs> Preston Williams for a little bit, but from week four on, only that Michael Thomas guy was in front of him. But here's the thing. I, we're not, I'm not even saying – you don't have to say he's top 10. You don't have to even say he's top 15. You don't even have to say he's top 20, Rich, because he's being drafted in the low 20s as a wide receiver three. <laughs> how much concern you have over the fact that he just finally put it all together. I don't care how much you like Preston Williams because I'm pretty sure I'm one of the highest guys on Preston Williams if you go back to what I was saying coming out of college. So this is coming from a Preston Williams fan. There is zero reason Devontae Parker, in my opinion, should be outside the top 20. 
I just think that that group is just a, a stretched out group. When you look at like wide receiver 20 to wide receiver yeah, 30. Yeah, certainly don't, fair. Don't straddle the fence with that. Come on. <laughs> no, I, I just really, I mean, if you like Terry McLaurin more, if you like DJ Sharkmore, I don't really like a lot of like, you know what I mean? It's, it's a lot of guys that have similar target shares. You're going to tell me there's things. 15 guys from wide receiver 10. We'll say wide receiver 10 is Kenny Galladay. There's 15 guys between Kenny Galladay and Devontae Parker. I mean, I think you can make a case for a lot of guys. Stop straddling. When you're because when you're talking like archetypes, I mean, he fits a lot of those guys. Because I always I I tier my guys like archetypes, how they get yeah, the, you know, oh, certainly, the target yeah. volume and how they yeah. get targets. And he's definitely in that, you know, Galladay, McLaurin, DJ Shark, like that bucket of guys. Uh, I'm actually not worried about Preston Williams at all. A lot of people mention the splits. I don't that actually element doesn't matter to me at all. I mean, he had he had 21% of the team targets with Preston Williams active, like that's more than an, enough targets to go around. I I think the the only thing I'm a little worried about is when it happens is if Tua does play, just because Ryan Fitzpatrick is the perfect quarterback for Devontae Parker. And we've seen him be like a perfect quarterback for a lot because he's willing to give Devontae Parker those chances and win those 50-50 yeah. balls. And he was, uh, that's what unlocked him. Um, but I'd, put the over at, under, I'd put the over under like two and a half games for Tua. I think he only comes like Patrick Mahomes. He comes at the end of the season and somebody's like, well, what if they're like, they start off one and five? Well, even better. What's the point of starting to it at that point? Because you just get another top five pick for Tua's future. I mean, that does that, that really doesn't work though. I mean, it's, we never see that really play out in, in that way. I mean, you look at these quarterbacks, especially guys that were, you know, taking the top 10, like these guys play when they want to play. I think that the telling sign for Tua is if the dolphins, they have to just make him inactive. Because if they ever say he's healthy enough to be the backup and one Ryan Fitzpatrick play away from being in the game, then he should just be playing in the game. Uh, the, yeah, I agree with that. Hopefully. He should just be inactive because if they Start make him – Start on the pup. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, like I said, even in the – I've seen the argument for Tyrod and like based on some of their schedule. The thing is it doesn't happen. They get You get too much pressure now to play these guys. And as, as a – you know, from the fan base, when you start off poorly – and these guys play, and you look at top ten picks. They, those guys, average like eleven starts a season over the past decade. You know, they they get in, they get in, they find their way into the lineups uh, because these teams are bad. Yeah, so I that's just, probably the element. Part, I'm more worried. Part of me is just like they know he's hurt and coming back off an of injury, and I think that plays in a little bit. But I, I agree, it's tough, especially today's NFL. They want to pull the trigger so fast. But well, I'm, that's even you know the Giants loose. did it. The Giants did it until like I mean the Giants were almost forced to finally go to Daniel, Daniel Jones. In week three? <laughs> uh, well, no, but because of the play, the, because that was, uh, that was yeah. coming from the, you got to remember that was coming from the previous season. And that's why I said forced is because yeah, that was yeah. carryover from that. He got benched already. That being Eli, he already got benched once before they were trying to move on. And then he started stinking right out of the gate. And that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just kind of like, all right, we can't anymore. Um, I didn't. I, I, but that's I alone. Wanted, I'm I'm fine with Devontae Parker. I have no real pushback. I just said like that's just the the one thing is I just really like him playing with well, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm going to have 100 percent ownership of Devontae Parker, and he's going to let me down. <laughs> I'm more worried about just the, the guy I'm probably the most worried about, and I guess the position doesn't matter out of it, it's the whole situation is probably just Gasecki out of um, just because even what he did the back half of the year like wasn't really impressive. Like it was just, no, I'm I'm out on get second. I'm out on no fan too, just for the yeah. I'm I'm there too. I think we're still a year away, and then we're kind you of know who we're both on multiple guys. Yeah, we are. No, I've seen people. Are, his his ADP has gone through the roof now, but I'm still in. Hayden Hurst train over here. Rich and I, we're coach. We're he, Rich is on my lap in the driver's seat because we're together. So you can have the better view. 
Uh, maybe I but, but one real quick thing just to, <laughs> to to throw fuel on your Devante Parker thing is oh, the reason I don't think you can completely discount Devante Parker though either too is like go through that guy's schedule uh, you know and look at the guys he was beating weekly you know uh, Tredavious White he had five he caught he had seven for 135 against the Bills. Five of all, call five of his targets or 80 yards in the coverage of Tredavious White. Uh, he caught uh, seven of nine targets or 120 yards in Stephon Gilmore's coverage at the end of the season. Yep. Like he was beating good players too. It wasn't just the Eagles game uh, <laughs> that where he got over. <laughs> no, it's definitely he. You're 100% right about that. So yes, Devontae Parker. Love Devontae Parker. So I was going to get, but this show has gone way too long. We spent some way too much time crapping all over Last of Us. So I want to make sure for everybody out there. <laughs> Like I said, follow him at Lord, Lord Reeves. But one of the things I was going to ask you, Rich, about was your article that just came out, what we can learn from play splits for 2020. I highly recommend everybody out there go read this article at sharpfootballanalysis.com. But you want to give us the 30-second, uh, one-minute. Like, this is the trailer. You can give us the little sneak preview of what, like, why it's so good and what they, why they should be going to read, read it. Well, I always just get to ask questions like, well, you know, where do we start projections and how I do my projections? And I always talk about starting at the top down team level. And I put out a series of articles over the past week that talked about scoring rates and play volume and, you know, touchdown to dispersal and things like that, that go factored into, uh, you know, working from a top down level of, of starting projections. If you want to start just a just projecting teams first, even before you get the players. Uh, so, I mean, check those articles out. The play splits one kind of came out today. It just talks about, you know, how the NFL operates in, in certain game script on the league wide level. And then on a per team basis, you know, how, how often teams led, how long they trailed, how sticky those stats are and some of the outliers from last year that you can apply to this season uh, and try to take advantage of some, you know, spots that either guys are overvalued or undervalued from the team level, because, those things can lead you on to a lot of players, uh, which led me to Lamar Jackson a lot because the, the Ravens were a team I projected for a lot more passing touchdowns last year based on what they did the year before. And when I already knew Lamar Jackson had rushing ability, I just blindly wanted to draft him because I thought there was actually more passing upside. And I didn't think 36 passing touchdowns was the upside that I was going to get. But that was just a part of the reason why I was blindly in is because on a team level, it made sense that they were going to have this increase in this spike. And anytime you have the team doing stuff from the top-down view, I mean, obviously the quarterback's going to get a large percentage of that. But, uh, yeah, start there. You know, if you want to look at some of these team pieces, I've got four of them up now. I'm going to have a red zone one uh, in the pipeline for tomorrow or today if you're listening to this. Uh, so check that stuff out, please. Yeah, definitely do at sharpfootballanalysis.com at Lord Reeves. Uh, one of the best if you want some video game opinion too. You can, this is why you should follow him and talk. Thanks so much, Rich. And uh, we'll be talking again, I know, on Twitter anyway. Once again, that was Rich Rebar, one of the best in the business, the indomitable Rich Rebar, like Jurassic Park. I don't know why I even said that. In any case, appreciate you guys listening in for another week. It was a long, fun show, though, but we got to talk video games and complain about Last of Us for way too long. Uh, we'll be back next week, maybe the week after that. Uh, stay tuned. You, I tweet them out for you, any guys. I love you guys. Over the Athletic, go check it out. Possibly 50% off your first year, so don't miss it. And I'll see you next time. Bye.